0: Hey, this is Pastor Jeff, and this is the JRM Sydney Podcast. We welcome you, and we hope that as you listen, you will be blessed, empowered, and enriched. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. God bless you. Amen. Open your Bibles now, and we're gonna talk about uh, the book of Nehemiah. So, we're closing our series. Uh, ano yung series natin this month? Can you shout it out? Rise up and build, right? So, we're talking about the stories of Ezra and Nehemiah in the Bible. And uh, this week, I encourage you to start reading the book of Nehemiah. Amen? Um, all right, so, but before I, I, I do so, um, fix your eyes on the screen. I just want to show you a little bit of an updated conceptual design of what we plan to do here. Uh, I'm really excited for this. Uh, At the moment, we're still waiting for our construction certificate. So I ask for each and every one of you to continue praying with us and uh, just really praying that it will come as soon as as possible. Some of you have seen this before, but let's have a look. So this is how we wanted to kind of uh, see this place as we kind of improve the parts of this building. Next slide is... Yep, so that's the platform, and next, and next, yep, so that's the back area over there where the parents and with, with infants can be located, and yep, yeah, so that will be our champions like Sunday school area and uh, our parenting room as well, and uh, that will be our kitchenette. There will be a partition with the kitchen area over there. We're going to obviously improve that space, a little bit of space for us to have coffee and all that. (laughs) And this is upstairs. That's an open lounge, uh, welcome lounge for upstairs area near the office. Of course, there are plants. I love plants. (laughs) That will be uh, our ministerial office. Um, Yeah, and And that will be our toddler's room. Yeah, that will be our uh, kids' kids space up there. They have their own little platform. They can also do a mini-service and all that. So, we are so excited for this. And slowly but surely, we're going to see this take place right before our eyes. We're so excited. Uh, Again, watch out for announcements for uh, when the constructions are going to be at. We're going to be a little bit flexible. Uh, because obviously it will be like you know if they're gonna construct this, then we will kind of move to a temporary orange uh, community hall, all that stuff. And yeah, so let's pray, pray, pray. Who's excited for this? Excited? Are you excited? I can see excited faces. Yeah, hallelujah. All right, so let's rise up and rise up and. Rise up and amen, amen. Alright, so uh, who is, So is, I've entitled this message, Rise Up and Build, Living a Life Used by God. Living a Life Used by God. And we're talking about Nehemiah in the Bible. So if we're gonna go on, oh no, um, I needed that whiteboard. Sorry, Kuya, can you move the whiteboard po? Just for us to locate the storyline. Um, thank you. I just, just here. It's fine. Okay, everyone can see? Everyone can see? Alright, so just moving towards the storyline. Uh, last week I talked about the temple, but now I just want you to, to locate where Nehemiah is located. So, do you remember this guy? Yeah? Remember him? David, King David. And then uh, many, many kings after him. The last king was uh, Zedekiah. Zedekiah was a wicked king. And because of the wickedness of Israel during that time, God has allowed judgment on them by means of the Babylonians, right? So Babylon. Babylon. So Babylonians destroyed the whole city. Destroyed the walls, destroyed the temple, and they were sent into exile into the land of Babylon. And then that was the time of, remember this guy? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. That's King Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of the Babylonian Empire. And then the Babylonian Empire was overthrown by the Persian Empire. Persian Empire and in this time period this is 70 years of exile so 70 years of exile and during the Persian uh, uh, Empire we uh, come with the first king of the Persian Empire which is Cyrus and this is where King Cyrus gives an edict for the Israelites to return to Israel, to rebuild their temple, to, de- to rebuild their land. Are you following? Yes. So, God has a remnant. Pag sinabi po natin remnant, when we say remnant, uh, survivors. They were uh, the, the ones that has escaped the sword when the Babylonians massacred a lot of people. And they say that the survivors or the remnants was about Only 50,000 people who came back from millions of people. There was about only 50,000 people who returned to Israel. And we are introduced to a guy named Zerubbabel and uh, Ezra. And we talk about the rebuilding of the temple. Now... Uh, there was a gap time or a period wherein the rebuilding of the temple was stopped. It's about uh, the time of the next king, which is Darius. Mamaya meron po akong exam. Did you find the uh, one fourth sheet of paper in your ch- chairs? May <laughs> quiz? I'm joking. No, so the next king after Cyrus is Darius. At the time of Darius. The construction of the temple and the building was stopped. But um, the name, uh, this guy might be familiar to you. It's in your Bible. <laughs> Haggai and Zechariah continued to encourage the people to resume the building of the temple. That was in the time as well, contemporary ni Ezra. Now, the next king after Darius, there's no space. Next king after Darius is the name, you will, you will, you will, uh, Xerxes. Do you remember this guy? This is the husband of Queen Esther. You Remember her? Esther. And Esther is a Jew. Esther is a Jew. The, Jew found, the Jews found favor in the time of Queen Esther. Now, after Artaxerxes, he has a son. Artaxerxes. And Esther is the stepmother of Artaxerxes, who we will be reading in the, at the story of Nehemiah. All right. So let's begin. Now you know where it falls in the storyline. So after this, this is Nehemiah's time period. Alright, so let's read Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant, Then I said, and then you will read in that the rest of the prayer of Nehemiah, one of the most wonderful and beautiful prayers you can see in your Old Testament. And then let's jump into chapter 2. After a few months, about four months to five months, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, the son of Xerxes, uh, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, oh, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him, we don't know who that queen is, could be Queen Esther. Or it could be the new queen. But otherwise, there's a significance to that. Ask me, how long will your journey take and when you will get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Now, uh, the story of Nehemiah is now again the third batch of the Israelites from exile going back to Israel to rebuild the walls. How important are the walls? Uh, In the ancient time, if a city doesn't have a wall, it's like living in a house without a wall. Would you want to live in a house without walls? Like here in Australia, much more in the Philippines, right? (laughs) Imagine living in a house without a wall. That's how it was. If you live in a city without a wall, because there are many uh, dangers outside the city gates, outside the city walls, that if the wall is not there, that the, the city or the people will not flourish in their business, they will not feel safe, they will not have peace. And so therefore, a city without a wall is a city disgraced. It doesn't have protection, it doesn't have stability, it doesn't have peace, right? Right? So the wall has to be rebuilt. And the heart of Nehemiah is this. Israelite or the Jewish people represent their God. Isn't that correct? And if the city is without wall, how can then they represent God in that state? And so he really wanted to rebuild it. Now, there's a picture in the next slide right here. I don't know if you can see it clearly. Next slide. Yeah, that's it. Um, So if you can see there, I don't have a stick. Um, So this is is where they, they reside at the time of Ezra and Zerubbabel. But this is the parts wherein the walls are broken. The bigger part right there. So that is basically what Nehemiah is going to rebuild. And that is a massive city. That's not, you know, have you been to Intramuros in the Philippines, Fort Santiago, or <laughs> I don't know what other wall I can uh, relate it to. The Great Wall of China. Have you been? Great Wall of China. Uh, okay, so that's a massive city. So it's like, it's not, it's like, <laughs> it's like Metro Manila that needs a wall. And Manila is big, right? So how long do you think the wall uh, will take before it's completed? How long? Without machinery, without modern tractors and uh, lifters and all that stuff, right? So everything is just simple machinery, pulley and trolley and all that stuff. How long do you think this wall is going to complete? Shout out. No idea. I haven't built a wall, Pastor Jeff, so don't ask me that question. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the next picture basically is just an aerial shot of like a if it would look like that. So, that's a massive space for the wall to be built. Now, it takes faith for you to actually build that wall. And later on, we will discover that it's not just the task per se that's very uh, daunting for Nehemiah, but also because there are oppositions against his building of the wall. Now, in our generation now, we don't have to build a physical wall like that, but uh, I guess I could relate Nehemiah to a spiritual wall that has been broken for a long time. You know, we live in a generation with broken-down walls, and they are called the moral walls. The moral walls of this generation has been broken down for so many instances. You know, you just go and open your Netflix or Prime or uh, Stan or whatever (laughs) uh, subscription you are in or even YouTube or whatever. And you will find shows and movies that basically, it's just normal now. It's just normal now the influences that we have from social media and everything else, you know, we don't have walls to protect this and this. And we are the people that God calls to rebuild the walls that will protect our generation and the next generations to come. Are you following me? There are spiritual walls that are broken. And perhaps, not just in that case, maybe in your life, there are walls that are broken. There are things that are broken in your life that God is calling you to rebuild. And you don't know where to start and you don't know where to begin. And you feel like it's a daunting task. Maybe there are broken relationships. Maybe there are dreams that are broken or a career that's broken or, you know, uh, I don't know, in your context, what that wall represents. Now, today, let's learn from the life of Nehemiah. And I just wanted to point out seven things that we can learn from this man of God. Amen? Are you ready? So, number one is Nehemiah, obviously, in the passage that we've read, had a passion for his people. Now, when his brother came to him, and he asked, how are the, our people in Jerusalem doing? And the brother said that everything is broken. The, the walls are still not built. And it's, it's a disgrace. It's, it's such a pity. And uh, at that instant, we know and we've seen in that verse, in verse 4, what Nehemiah said. Uh, when I heard these things, in verse 4, he said, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah has a heart for his people. Now, this generation, uh, the number one sickness of the church right now, or maybe one of the top five sickness of Christians right now is the sickness called apathy. Have you heard of that word before? Apathy. When you have apathy, it just means synonymously, I don't care. A generation that we have right now cultivates a mindset and a culture of selfishness and individuality. Mind your own business, I'll mind mine. You know, um, and that selfishness and that individuality, you know, even if, you know, in social media, for example, we're not kind of, you know, this is just me, my opinion and comment somehow. Um, like, for example, the Al Volcano has erupted at the beginning of this year. And we can look at that news and be shocked about that. And, oh, horrible. That's, that's really sad. But then, because you are not there and you're here, you just browse through that in Facebook and then that's it. And much worse, we could kind of have that thinking, well... Poor people, right? But Nehemiah is not like that. Nehemiah was in a very comfortable place. He was in Persia being the cupbearer of the king. And as a cupbearer of the king, you are one of the most trusted of the king. You are a high-ranking official. And if you're a cupbearer of the king, you live like a prince. You live in the palace because everything that the king will drink, eat, taste, whatever, you'll be the person who will basically check everything and keep the safety of the king. He has earned such trust and uh, you know, confidence with the king that everything that the king does, he basically consults Nehemiah. It's not just you know trying to sip wine before the king does. It's more than that. As a cup bearer, you're basically a confidant of the king. He is basically the most trusted person Of the king. In fact, most of the time in ancient kingdoms, the cupbearer is more trusted than the wife, than the queen, or the son, or the daughter, for that matter. So he lives in a very comfortable place, this Nehemiah. But when he heard his brother say, Our people are suffering, you know, Nehemiah could have just been apathetic and said, Well, I'm sorry for them but I'm here. Nehemiah had a heart for his people. Why? Because Nehemiah knew the heart of God. Nehemiah knew the heart of God. And his heart was aligned to his. The problem was presented to him, and he cannot sleep. The problem was presented to him, and he was troubled. He mourned, he wept, and for some days he fasted. Why? Why? Because the problem, he knows, is a calling. The problem is a calling. Have you ever been burdened by something? Have you ever been burdened by something? You know, most of the time, God shows you the problem, not so that you will talk about the problem negatively to other people, but so that you can be the solution to that problem. God calls you. To be an answer to that problem amen are you following me are you following me nehemiah is a, such a guy and though he was a cupbearer he was not even a civil engineer <laughs> he probably have said to himself and that will be reflected in the prayer that he prayed in chapter one lord use me i am available if you're showing me this then it means you're calling me if you're showing me this then most likely you are calling me. Everyone say, if God is showing me this, then He's calling me. Once again, if God is showing me this, then God is calling me. What problems are you seeing around you? That's your calling, perhaps. If kung hindi kan namapakale, and you need to answer, you need, you can't sleep, you can't even, you know, there's just that burning desire. To fill in that gap. To answer that problem. You know, you cannot deny it and you cannot walk away from it. Amen. Now, if you're a person who has a relationship with God and you're a friend of God. You know, we sing that song, I am a friend of God. My my question, are you a friend of God? Because if you're a friend of God, God will reveal His heart to you. And if you love God and God reveals His heart to you, a burden, a burning passion in the heart of God, then you will resonate with that. But the person who doesn't have a personal relationship with God wouldn't know the heart of God, right? Are you, are you with me? Amen. All right, so Nehemiah has a heart for his people, a passion for his people. Now, every single one of us, do we have a passion for God's people? Or, I don't care. My business is my business. You do yours. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is for us to share one another's burden, build each other up, pray for one another, care for one another, help one another, support each other. Let's defeat and not be overcome by the culture of this world called selfishness and apathy. That's not the characteristic of the people of God. Amen. Are you following me? Yes. Number two is the priority of prayer. Makbaba ko ng konti dito. Now there are 13 chapters in the book of Nehemiah, and 14 times out of 13 chapters, the priority of prayer is emphasized. Nehemiah is a a man of prayer. You know, he knew he cannot do this. The the rebuilding of the wall is such a daunting task. I cannot do this, Lord. I cannot do this. This is beyond what I can do. This is beyond what my capacity is. And uh, Nehemiah knew what, what to do first. He prayed. And not just at first, but he continually prayed and in the entire story from Nehemiah chapter 1 to chapter 13, Nehemiah did not do anything without praying first. Nehemiah did not do anything without praying first. He knew that, you know, he cannot accomplish this on his own capacity and strength. And secondly, he knew that the success will only come when God's hand works in his behalf. Amen. A lifestyle of prayer. Now, let me tell you this. If you want to have a healthy spiritual life, your relationship with God will always be, the quality of your relationship with God will always be proportional to the quality of your prayer life. Amen. The quality of your relationship with God will always be proportional to the quality of your prayer life. And sometimes we just overcomplicate prayer. We just over-religious and over-spiritualize prayer. But prayer is just really that, communication with God. It's just coming to God and we can come to God boldly. The Bible says that we can come boldly into the throne of God's grace because why? We are covered by the blood. Jesus expects us and wants us to draw strength, wisdom, power, and resources from the Lord through prayer. So how was your prayer life? Maybe you're struggling. The question is, how is your prayer life? Because if you're struggling, then all the more you should pray is there anything that's too hard and difficult for you right now in your workplaces, very challenging circumstances in your family, then all the more you have to pray. God wants you to grow and cultivate and nurture your prayer life. Now, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, like me, every morning it's a position of kneeling down before my bed and, and calling it to God and praying and all that stuff, right? But it doesn't have to always be kneeling down, uh, if, if a dog is chasing you, you can't kneel down and pray. Lord, save me from that dog. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> of course you're going to run. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I mean, what's the shortest prayer in the Bible? It's Peter sinking in the water because he was afraid while he was walking on water. And then he began to sink in the water. That's the shortest prayer in the Bible. Help me. Help me. Of course, Peter will not pray. Our Father in heaven, blah, 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 blah. hello. Help me. How many times in a day do you call to God, God, help me? God, help me. When growing and uh, uh, what do you call it? When taking care of the kids becomes a handful, how many times do we cry out, Lord, help me? <laughs> when there is a conflict between the husband and the wife, how many times do we cry out, "Lord, help me." About many times. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know what I mean? So you know, a healthy faith life or Christian life is that model of Nehemiah that before you do anything... You acknowledge God. You seek God's wisdom. You seek God's instruction. You seek God's counsel. You seek God's enablement. Because again, your life as a Christian can only be as successful and victorious as your prayer life looks like. Amen? Ravi Zacharias has a quote He says, I have absolutely no doubt that if you are a praying Christian, Your faith in God is what is carrying you through both the good times and the hard times. However, if you are not a praying person, you are carrying your faith. You are trying to make your faith work for you apart from your source of power. And trying to carry the infinite is very exhausting. A lot of people walk out of faith, walk out of church, walk out of, you know, what they know as the Christian faith, because they got exhausted, because they had the wrong mindset, you don't have to carry your faith. It's going to be very heavy, my friend. If you are a praying Christian, then your faith will carry you. In fact, God will carry you. Are you following? Man, come on, give the Lord the best class of praise. So let's encourage one another into prayer. Amen. Uh, Pastor Jeff, I don't know how to pray. Then be with people who always pray. <laughs> There's plenty here in this church who are very prayerful. Magdedikit kayo Mag Magatend kayo ng prayer meeting. You know. Read books on prayer. But don't just read the book, do what it says. I mean, are you following me? And again, God doesn't. God is not looking, you know, one of my favorite verses is is in Psalm 51. God desires truth from the inward parts. It's such a liberating thing because religion tells you this is the proper way of doing it. But a personal relationship with the Lord says be real. Be authentic. God wants you to be real to Him. When you come to Him, you don't need flowery words or there are no Patterns that are right, and if it's not it's wrong, then God will not hear it. You know, there is nothing like that. No, no, no formalities whatsoever. Of course, in a service like this, there are formalities, and we do adore God and we do place him in a position where he belongs. We basically adore him as such. But Lord, you know, when you are praying by yourself, just you and God, there is no pretension. You can be very real. Why? Because God knows anyway. And that relationship is honed. That relationship is uh, made intimate when it's real. You don't have to pretend to God. God wants you to come to Him as you are. Amen. And that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? You know, when your children approach you, you know, when your child approach you, he doesn't He or she doesn't think, oh, what are the right words to say before I talk to my mom and dad? No, he just comes to you and then says, I want chocolate, daddy. (laughs) Or, mommy, help me in this, or something like that. God desires that kind of relationship. God desires that child and father relationship that, in fact, when the disciples saw the lifestyle of Jesus you know, always waking up early in the morning and praying, they asked the Lord for no other thing for, you know, the disciples only ask Jesus to teach them one thing and one thing alone. They said, teach us how to pray. And basically what Jesus says to them in Matthew chapter 6, it's not there, is that when you pray, don't be like that the hypocrites or the high priests and the Pharisees. You know, they like to be praying uh, publicly and praying. Uh, trying to impress people to say that they are religious. And don't pray like them who bubble their mouth with senseless words that they don't even understand. And then he goes on to say, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, come on everyone. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Do not lead us to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Now, that has become a formalized prayer. But when you are one of the disciples listening to Jesus during that time, that is a very informal prayer. In fact, they were shocked that Jesus would teach them to call God Father. Never have been before that God was called Father by the Israelites. The main point of that prayer is that the core of that, the heart of that prayer is that first two words, our Father. It's relational. And if we're going to convert it into this generation, perhaps that would sound like, Dad, you are so wonderful. I thank you that you have been so good to me. I'm trying to, our Father who art in heaven, be your name, Lord? I want your kingdom to be manifested here on the earth. I want your will to be done in my life, Lord. Lord, I really need money. Wala pa um pambayad ng We should Lord. Lord, I don't know where to get money to pay the rent of my house. Give us this day our daily bread. <laughs> Yeah, give us this day. You know that's how real it is. Give us this day our daily bread, Lord. Yesterday po, I shouted at my wife. I'm really, really sorry, Lord. <laughs> Lord, dun po sa office, po ako ng stapler. <laughs> I took a stapler from the office. Lord, sorry po, babalik ko na po bukas. <laughs> you know, forgive us for our sins. And Lord, so ang loob ko, Lord, eh, sa kapitbahay ko. Lord, help me to forgive them as you forgive me. It's what that prayer says. Ano kasi na na. Ayan, okay. Lord, tsaka, alam mo naman, Lord, yung weakness, you know, Lord, my weakness, I... I just really don't want to go there anymore. Help me, Lord. Take me away from that temptation. I don't want to drink Coke, Pepsi Max anymore. (laughs) 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 Just joking. Lord, help me in my weakness, Lord. And deliver me from the things that I fear. The evil one who attacks me. Protect me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Nothing so formal about that. Just real. And that's genuine Christianity. Indeed, one size fits all. One size fits all, that's called religion. But a personal relationship with God will always be unique. The reason is because you are unique. God deals with you on a personal level and He deals with you, yes, similar, but also different because you're a different person than the person beside you. So therefore, the dealing of the Lord with me, I cannot impose on the person beside me because God deals with me differently and uniquely than how He deals with the person beside me. Amen. It's just really personal. You know, you don't want to miss the intimacy of God. And the intimacy of God is birthed and grown in a personal prayer experience. You don't want to miss the intimacy of God. Gusto ni Lord, clingy ka sa kanya? The Lord wants you to be clingy to Him. Who's clingy here? no one wants to say. You know, God wants you to be clingy to Him. Clingy. You <laughs> yung You don't know the word clingy. You know, he just wants you to be so close to Him. And God can be as close to you as you want to. Amen. Nehemiah is a man of And therefore, everything that he does prospers. Amen. So next one is provision for the problem. And I won't read this. Well, I will read it. (laughs) I also said to the king, Nehemiah says, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates at the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. There is nothing impossible for a child of God whose hand, the hand of God is upon. You want the hand of God upon you. But why would God put his hand upon Nehemiah? he is a man of prayer. He depends on the Lord. And therefore, the blessing of God is upon him. Why? Because he asks for God's blessing. You do not have if you do not ask. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. See that? Nehemiah was only asking for timbers <laughs> and letter to give them passage. But the king gave more than he requested. In fact, he gave cavalry and armies to guard them. What is it that's difficult for you right now? You need the hand of God upon you. And how would you have that? Go down on your knees and ask Him. Amen. Number four, ponder in proximity. So, all this is PP. Ponder in proximity. What happened in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11 to 20? I won't read that. Is he went. He went to Jerusalem. He could have just, you know, hey, oh, here are the timber, here are the provisions. Then he could have said to his brother, oh, go, build, you build. I'll stay here in the palace. No, Nehemiah left the comfort zone and went to a place that is very inconvenient and very uncomfortable. And he surveyed the city walls that are broken. He studied it. He pondered in proximity. He wept there. He prayed there. He he like prayer walks shadon, And he asked for God's wisdom all along. Ponder in proximity, what does that mean? Be there. You know the phrase, nasikat nasikat, oh, I won't make it in the Bible study, but I will be there in spirit. My friend, it's not your spirit that we need, <laughs> it's your presence right there. <laughs> Oh, I can't make it to church, but I will be there in spirit. Oh, well, spirit Spirit um, uh, The spirit won't be able to shake the hand of the person next to you. God needs you there. And the reason why you have to ponder in proximity why you have to be there is because you will never understand unless you are there. You can watch the news and see Otaal Volcano exploded in uh, Batangas and a lot of people suffering, houses uh, destroyed, blah, blah, blah. And you can just, you know, be sad about it. But it's a different feeling when you are there. Handing out the relief goods. Helping out for medical mission. And doing the work of helping it's different when you're there. We've seen and watched and known about the Holocaust, right? The massacre and the murder of millions of Jews. But try to go in Auschwitz, in that camp, where still you know, some of the relics and some of the things that has been, you know, uh, remains of those who died, try to go there and see at the first entry at the gate, the smell of that place, see if you would not weep and cry for the horror of the massacre that has been there. Are you following? Now, that's what Nehemiah did. I'd like to share with you the story of this guy. His name is Joseph Damien, and he is a missionary, a Belgian missionary, who uh, basically went to Hawaii. In, the 18th, in 1863, originally his brother was the one assigned to go to uh, Molokai in Hawaii. It is a place in Hawaii where all the lepers are being thrown out. And basically his brother is supposed to go there, very passionate that his brother, he really wants to minister to that place and bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus. But his brother uh, fell ill and was sick. And was uh, dying. And so he asked his Joseph Damien, the brother of Joseph Damien asked him, if you can take my place. They were both missionaries. And at first, Joseph Damien was not really passionate about it. He was not as, you know, as eager as his brother. But when he went to Molokai in Hawaii and started ministering to the people there, leprous people there, His heart burned with the need, the problem that he saw, he cannot walk away. And so he decided to stay longer than what is assigned to him. And after many years in his uh, work in that place, one time he was uh, uh, making coffee and a burning hot water pot accidentally fell on his foot. And then he realized he didn't feel a thing. And so, what he did was, he poured boiling hot water once again on his other foot, and there was nothing that he felt. And that Sunday morning, as he preached to the people that are lepers, he usually says and opens the line, Blessed morning, my fellow believers. But that morning, he changed his words, Blessed morning, my fellow lepers. And then he died. When he died, the Belgian, uh, the Belgian nation obviously wants to bring his body back to Belgium. But then the people requested, can we have his right hand? Because it is the hand that has touched us and served us. And right now, if you go to Molokai, Hawaii, there is a, you know, a, a memorial in that place. But his body is not there, only his right hand with leprosy. You will never understand unless you are there. You will never understand unless you are there. I guess Nehemiah needed to go see the walls so that he will really do it. Because if he doesn't see it, he might back away. Amen. Now because Nehemiah has decided, resolved in his spirit, God, I can't do this. I'm short of skills and talents, but I am willing and I am available. I want my life to be used by you. Then use me. Use me. Don't underestimate how the Lord can use you. The Lord can use anyone. In fact, even a donkey in the Bible can be used by God. Don't look down on yourself and think, I'm this and I'm that, I can't do that, I can't do this, and I have full of this and all that. God can use you. And all He needs is availability and willingness. Because He will do the work in behalf of you. Now, because Nehemiah has decided in his heart that he will build the wall, he had to prepare for the process, number five. Prepare for the process and this involved knowing that he cannot do it alone. He had to share the, bur- the burden and the vision to the team. He had to m- build a teamwork so that the dream will work. Dream- teamwork makes the dream work. Everyone say, teamwork. teamwork makes the dream work. Look at the person beside you, that's your teammate. And say to the person next to you, I can't do it alone. And say to the person next to you, I need you. Amen. To prepare for the process, Nehemiah had to build his team. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also for the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. The people said, let us rise up and build. At first, Nehemiah has shown them the need. He's shown them this is the need, this is the problem. And I can't do this alone. We have to rebuild the walls, but I need your help. I need your help. And when the people saw this and understood this, they took it to heart and they said, then we will rise up and build. Who among you here will say that together with us? This is the need. This is what we have to accomplish. And who among you here will say, Pastor Jeff, let's rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. You know, to prepare for the process, you have to first understand the need and then gather people who will rally what needs to be done with you according to that need? Amen. And number six is avoid the paralysis of pessimism. The paralysis of pessimism. Obviously, as they begin to build the walls, there rose opposition against it. Yeah, you know, San Balot and all the other people who went uh, against the building of that wall—they were what? They were talking negativity, discouragement, distraction, disillusionment, everything that can stop them from doing the work. And in Nehemiah chapter 4, you will read that uh, basically they are also not just talking against the building of that wall. They are actually fighting them. That's why in Nehemiah chapter 4, you will find that the people have uh, a hammer or a shovel in one hand and a sword on the other. Because uh, with the shovel and the hammer, they build the wall and with the sword, they fight their enemies. (laughs) And that's the same thing with us. You know, my, my friends, we have an enemy. And you have to continually building the wall. It could not be stopped because the enemy will spew lies, deception, decep- uh, this discouragements on you. But keep building the wall. Listen to the voice of God rather than the voice of the enemy. Listen to the words of encouragement of the spirit rather than the words of discouragement of the devil. Amen. And people might, you know, say discouragements to you, people might, you know, distract you and all that, but fix your eyes on what you know God has called you to do and do not turn away from it. Amen. Come on. Come on. Avoid the paralysis of pessimism every time your mind is being filled with negativity remind yourself of the Word of God remind yourself of the promises of the Lord remind yourself what does God say I always have this practice whenever a negative thought or whatever thought comes into my mind I ask myself is this thought from God if it is not from God then immediately I reject it resist the devil and he shall flee from you amen and last but not the least Prevail in purpose. Success is guaranteed because God is on our side. If you're always in the side of God, then you win. The only time you lose is you step out of the will and the purposes of God in your life. It's not so much about our own agenda. It's really about the agenda of God. It's really God's heart that Nehemiah was fighting for and building for. I guess in the process of his life, you know, he already lost himself. He lost himself by giving himself to the work of God. There was nothing selfish about Nehemiah at all. He gave everything. And and what's amazing, I, I forgot to mention that on number six, you know. What's amazing if you read the account of Nehemiah is that each family built the wall in front of their house. They knew that they have to build the wall first before they can even build their house. Why? They can build their house and let the wall be ruined and their house will be destroyed anyway. So each family built the wall in front of their house. That's what you call teamwork. And you know what happened? Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. How long do you think that wall will take to build? This wall was built in 52 days, less than two months. And you know what happened after that? And when all our enemies heard of it, All the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. You pursue your own agenda. Yes, you can. You pursue the agenda of God, you will be sure God's hand will be upon you. Now, God is looking for wall builders. God is looking for people who will be willing and who will be available. And no matter what capability, you know, Tehemiah was a cupbearer. What does he know about civil engineering? I'm a pastor. What do I know about trusses and timber and whatever? <laughs> Most of the time, I talk to the builder and he asks me questions and things and I, I'm just, Huh? <laughs> I don't know what that is. (laughs) But I can sense God's hand is upon us. Therefore, we will be helped. Passion for His people, priority of prayer, provision for the problem, ponder in proximity, prepare for the process, avoid the paralysis of pessimism, and prevail in purpose. God is with you. He wants to use you. He's looking for people who will raise their hand and say, here I am, Lord, use me. With every heads bowed down and every eyes closed, remain seated. I will call on the worship team to join me here in front. Again, as we end this message, as you close your eyes and ponder upon this, can you begin to connect with the Lord right now? Come on, every eyes closed, every heads bowed down. And you begin to ask God. You begin to ask God, Lord, what are you saying to me? Lord, what do you want me to understand? Come on, just ask the Lord right now. Begin to pray in your own way. Begin to communicate with your Heavenly Father. The Lord is speaking. He's knocking at the door of your hearts. The Spirit of God is whispering. Begin to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to apply this in my life? Are there broken walls in your life right now? Are there things that need to be fixed and you don't know where to begin or how to do it? Now, if you ask the Lord's hand upon you, He will help you. He will be with you. He promises to not leave you nor forsake you and accomplish that which is according to His will. Come on, begin to ask the Lord's help. Lord, help me. 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 Just want to ask this question as your heads are bowed down and your eyes are closed. You know, God is looking for wall builders. He wants people to see who in this room he can use to accomplish his purposes and fulfill his plans on the earth. This world has broken down walls, and the church are called to be rebuilders of the walls that have been broken. And in this room, there are people whom God is nudging, God is knocking at the door, God is calling. There are Problems around you that you see and they are calling they are God is calling you to answer In this room right now as you sit down as your eyes are closed Would you stand up if your answer is Lord here? I am use me Lord. I give my life to you use me I don't want to just be sitting in the church Sunday in and Sunday out and doing nothing Lord, I want to serve you I want to honor you. I want to use, I want my life to be used for your purpose and for your glory. If you are that person, would you stand up on your feet? If you are that person who says, Lord, here I am, use me. Here I am, use me. Here I am, use me. I have weaknesses, yes. Lord, I have shortcomings, yes. I have fears, yes. But Lord, I trust you. I want my life to be used by you. No matter how young you are, God can use you. No matter how young you are, oh, no matter how advanced you are in your years, God can use you. Now, if you're that person and you want your life to be used by God, stand up on your feet because what else is worth it? What else will you spend your life on greater than the purposes of God? in this life come on set your heart to jesus set your heart to jesus oh hallelujah hallelujah oh lord here i am use me i want to rebuild the walls that are broken in my life in my family lord god in this society lord i am in hallelujah come on join us join us in worship join us in worship Hallelujah.
1: You are.
0: Oh Hallelujah,
1: you Jesus. Are. You alone. Oh, you are. worship, Set your heart Oh you are, you are
0: You are. We make a miracle work. Promise Keeper, light in the darkness. God, Come on, set your hearts on, on Jesus. Oh, you believe in you Him. You believe you in Him. him. Oh, we make us yes, Lord. A work. Oh, Promise oh, oh, light in Lord, the darkness. Yes, Jesus. My God.
1: That
0: Whatever capacity, the let the Lord use you. Oh, you are oh more than Lord, being blessed desire to be used by God, promise to bless others. Amen. In the dark Come on. Yes, Lord I, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I surrender to you your purposes, Lord to, you Lord,
1: to your desires, oh God. Oh, more oh, than my own desire, Lord, I submit to you yours. In the dark oh.
0: the broken working, things in your you life, stop, can you, you, can you just declare working, this yes, song, amen, stop, oh Jesus,
1: hallelujah, when I don't see you're working, yes Lord, amen, we declare it, Jesus, come on, activate your faith, even when I don't see it, you you're working, You are with us. You are with us. Hallelujah.
0: raise up in this house Lord God Nehemiah's father who will not have a heart of apathy but a heart of passion and love for the things that you care for and the things that you love father people who will be willing Lord Jesus to step out of their comfort yes. zones and Lord God move and have their hands yes. on the plow not looking back and committing themselves to building Lord God, the things that you want to be built, Father, raise up in this house Christians, Lord, people who are not just after the blessings, but desires, Lord God, that our lives will be used as blessings to others. Father, thank you that there are people here who you are molding and shaping, to be selfless children of God who extend their lives for others, who continue, Lord God, to serve your purpose so that your kingdom will come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh God, we want to see your kingdom here. We want to see your kingdom here. And that's why we will build. That's why we will rise up. That's why we will answer to the call of our Heavenly Father. Because what else shall we give our lives into? What else, Lord? You deserve it, Father. Our lives are living sacrifices to You. Our lives are living worship unto You, Father. Father, we give you thanks that you look beyond our weakness and incapabilities. And all that you are looking for are willing hearts, willing hearts, willing hearts. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. With every eyes closed and every head bow down, if you have come to this place and somehow the story of Nehemiah has resonated in you, and you want to commit your life to Jesus, the one who has qualified you, the one who has received you and accepted you for who you are, the one who poured out His blood on the cross so that we can be included in His family, the one who loves you unconditionally. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus, and for those of us who wants to recommit our lives into building that which God wants to be built, Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. Will you, together with Jesus, build it for His honor and glory? If you're that person, would you raise your hands? And would you follow after this short prayer? Everyone say, Father God, I surrender my life to You. Here I am, Lord. Use me. I give my heart fully for Your purpose. Thank you for the forgiveness of my sins and for making me new. From now on, you are my Father and I am about my Father's business. I am about my Father's kingdom. I am about my Father's 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 passion. And from this day on, my life is not mine, it is yours. I give it to you. Have your way in it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Give the Lord the best claps of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Rise up and. Rise up and. Rise up and. Amen. Amen. Raise your hands to receive the Father's blessing. Oh, may the Lord our God bless you and keep you. May His hand be upon you as it was with Nehemiah. May His favor rest upon your life. That everything you do, everything you touch, everything you accomplish will be because God is the one helping you. Oh, bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you all the days of your life. And make your path successful. Amen. In Jesus' name.